And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. What's up, world? <laughs> what is up? Uh, hi there. It's me. Hi. It's Eric. It's Eric Kareen, <laughs> your local writer at The Athletic who covers the Raptors. Uh, the, the Raptors, who are 13 and 15 and continue to play basketball. Uh, joining me here on this podcast, <laughs> which is Jurassic Pod, thank you for listening, is my pal, my friend, uh, the always eloquent, oh. the, usually, the usually eloquent, the occasionally <laughs> eloquent, Holly McKenzie. Holly, uh, I'm not even going to ask you how you're doing. Uh, yeah. Well, here's my proposal. Uh, we take all of our anxiety, our combined mm-hmm. anxiety, mm-hmm. and channel it into a conversation about mm-hmm. basketball. <laughs> we're, we're just, just going to, you know, use that energy to f- power this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and to, to new heights. It, yeah, to new heights to, to, to make it sound sweet in, <clears throat> in your ears, dear listener. Because uh, there are things going on in the world that are hard to make sense of in combination with other things going on in the world. I feel like I'm on fire. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel. But yes. Um, uh, but before like the last few days, the one thing I was thinking of <laughs> when thinking about doing this podcast was that I was going to try to avoid saying the phrase speaking of when doing um what do you segues like okay because it has occurred to me by listening to many podcasts very rarely my own that <laughs> speaking of is like the crutchiest crutch the of go-to? all crutches yeah. uh everybody uses it so i i'm gonna like maybe make a speaking of charity jar for myself that every mm-hmm. time i use it i i'm just going to give money to a worthy cause do not what hold would me, be what would be my jar that um, I, I, I like thinking about swearing talk, and then talking about wondering if you're allowed to swear and then not quite swearing. This only uh, happens on the podcast <laughs> in real life. I'm not, I'm not worried about swearing. I don't think I say, I don't think I say speaking of a lot. You in do in our conversation, in our conversation. Yeah. Okay. Well, I wonder what each of our, each of our swear jars would be in real life though. Like podcast aside. I mean, my my swear jar might just be a swear jar. That would be effective. But swearing, but I don't, but. We're past swearing being bad. Is that what you're trying to say? Words are fine. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Now that we can see how how terrible people's actions are, Mm -hmm. who cares about words? Exactly. Uh, So a lot of crazy things going (sighs) on. Uh, Since we last talked to you, the Raptors went two and two. 
Uh, could have oh, gone, wow. uh, yeah, could have yeah. gone 4-0, didn't. They went 2-2, two and two, <laughs> lost to Oklahoma City after yeah. a dreadful third quarter in which Shea Gilgis-Alexander really, mm-hmm. really took over the game, which was cool to see, uh, unless you really love the Raptors. And uh, the pass at the end of the game to drive into the paint and then kick it out, that was yeah, perfect. Uh, yeah, yeah and, unless you're talking about the Raptors' defensive <laughs> uh, schemes, or, or not even schemes, just responses. That wasn't a scheme problem, that was a response <laughs> problem. Um for Justin Champagne, who had an otherwise marvelous night. Um, uh, anyway, lost that game, beat New York uh, in a three-point game, in which they almost blew. Did not. Julius Randle missed a three. RJ Barrett missed a three. At, uh, that would have sent the game to overtime. Uh, got a weekend off, a rare weekend off, setting up a rare Monday-Tuesday back-to-back. Uh, but who cares? It's a pandemic. Days don't mean anything. Uh, they beat the Sacramento Kings. And then uh, almost got a Tuesday off. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so within about 26 hours, seven mm-hmm. Brooklyn Nets went into COVID protocols. Uh, once Kevin Durant decided he was good to go with his ankle that had him listed as questionable, that gave the Nets the minimum eight players to play that game (laughs) and Kevin Durant, uh, Patty Mills and the Long Island Nets. Is that what they're called? I think, uh, you know, the Nets G League team, let's call them, uh, beat the Raptors in overtime, uh, 131-129 in, if you could ignore the real world, was an immensely entertaining, uh, exhilarating Game that also would have wanted to make you tear out your hairs in Mm -hmm. several ways. But Mm -hmm. hey, why else do we watch sports for not a the ability to access a full range of emotions? Right, Holly? (laughs) Um, As you were recapping that, 100%, I completely forgot about the New York game. Like when you said they went two and two, I was like, they didn't have four games. And then you talked about Oklahoma City and I still was like... And then Sacramento, like that is that, I don't know what happened. I don't know where that went in my brain, but it was gone. Um, Yeah, but yeah, felt a lot of things. Felt a lot of things about the play on the court. Felt a lot of things about the play happening <laughs> on the court. The existence of the play. <laughs> but uh, yeah, everything aside, uh, if you were just tuning in to watch a basketball game removed from time and space and everything else uh crazy competitive game and uh i really wanted it to go um i really wanted it to keep going uh i promise we are not just going to talk about the pandemic i have written about it a few times i wrote about it on monday in my intro to the story about the king's game i wrote about it much shorter in my intro to my story on the nets game uh i know everybody doesn't want to hear about it and and read about it and there's certainly enough places for you guys to do that uh please exercise caution and concern uh for yourself and others in real life uh and In the interim, maybe we can distract you with talk about basketball. The Toronto Raptors are 13 and 15. They are up to 10th in offensive rating after the 129-point performance. Uh, Tied with Phoenix for 9th, actually, with a 109.6 offensive rating. Uh, They are 16th in defense, uh, so slowly rising, uh, uh, albeit against 
some either questionable opponents or opponents who are missing several key offensive players, uh, allowing 108.9 points per 100. Uh, but yeah, I think before we zoom into any one game, in general, that was a lot of like, you saw what the Raptors could be, even with the injuries, and a lot of the inconsistencies and, and roster problems, let's be honest, at, at the at the back of the roster uh, in particular. And that almost defined this four-game stretch, which almost has been a defining factor of the first third of the year for the Raptors. <laughs> yeah, we've seen that a lot. <laughs> Um, yeah, and also to speak of that roster, once again, Raptors are still without Ken Birch, OG Ananobi, and they were without Precious Achua, who was in health and safety protocol. I'm not sure how much longer that will be, but but yeah, there haven't been any updates on Kem or OG. It sounds like it is not to be not don't expect them. Yeah, uh, the phrase uh, Nick Nurse keeps on using is they're out for the foreseeable future. Uh, yeah. But as I have pointed out, in a <laughs> world in which the future is so murky, that can mean literally anything. Yeah, um, I guess that's true, yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know what's going to happen one day from now. I don't know if I'm going to be able to, uh, you know, drive to a different province if I wanted wanted to, which I, I very much do not. Um, so, yeah, uh, they are not expected back soon. But if that changes on a dime, do not be surprised. As for Achua, uh, he missed two games with his uh, lingering shoulder injury and then missed the last two as he was determined to be a close contact as uh, at the board, uh, the board, uh, the Giants <laughs> of Africa uh, event uh, that, oh yeah, this is a thing that happened, uh, uh, caused Masai Ujiri to test positive. Mm. Uh, <laughs> that happened yeah, six years ago. Speaking about time not making sense <laughs> again, that feels like that was three weeks ago. Yeah, right. Uh, but, okay. but just to clear it up, uh, yep. Achua was later determined to be a close uh, or a close contact. And he sat not because of the league's protocols, uh, but because of the advice of public health. So being uh, cautious, so, yeah, which is uh, good. Yeah. I, I, as you know, as everybody knows, as I have tattooed on my lower back, <laughs> out of an abundance of caution. Um, so if everything goes well and his shoulder and continued negative tests allow for it, uh, Achua should okay should be back to practice on thursday uh because they're practicing thursday because the game right. against the bulls yeah. isn't happening which also <laughs> happened uh, 32 years ago that was announced um so they next play on saturday on saturday against golden state yeah. uh yeah so i think and also they were without delano been on um tuesday yeah, because on he left the game on monday with a non-covid illness so he didn't make the trip to brooklyn and i think that's all the injuries right yeah uh yeah. and he was crazy good in that game against the kings who yeah delivered six assists one of, in his first yeah. stint of the game in the first um, quarter that was incredible who you know the kings are very bad um yeah, that, yeah. yeah they're bad uh i think the thing the place we have to start is the most recent uh, portion of uh, their most recent game mm -hmm. and forget about the result. And I do want to talk, I, I think like, you know, just looking at my Twitter mentions, which I do sometimes uh, and then complain about it because <laughs> uh, that's how I was raised. Uh, there was a lot of talk about the end of game decisions and I think that's valid. We'll get to it, but holy cow, Scotty Barnes, <laughs> Kevin Durant, 
going up, uh, you know, it's maybe a little strong to say against one another, but they certainly were guarding one another mm-hmm. for their share of possessions uh, in overtime uh, and and the second half, of which Durant played every single minute. I believe Scotty Barnes sat for four minutes. Uh, Barnes went six for 12 from the field for 18 points and uh, seven for 17 for Durant for 19 points. Uh, and this was not the usual duckins and dunks <laughs> and layups from uh, Scotty Barnes. This was, you know, turnaround jumpers. This was step back threes. This was get an offensive rebound and dribble out and take a three. Yeah, uh, yeah. These are the things that Scotty Barnes wasn't supposed to do. And, you know, it happened. And not on- only is he doing them, but he's making it look so casual and just like easy and second nature. It was it was funny seeing some of the some of the guys around the league um, talk about that last night. I don't know if you saw John Hollinger, <laughs> but he was just like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, nice." Didn't uh, didn't expect this, and um, I don't I don't think any of us did. Maybe the Raptors did, and maybe that's why they selected him. But um, my favorite thing about about watching uh, Scotty last night, as impressive as he was offensively, uh, you mentioned uh, he and KD guarding each other later in the game. The thing about uh, Kevin Durant that always blows my mind, and I know we have talked about this on this pod already. I think prior to the last uh, Nets game in Toronto, watching. Duran, it doesn't matter how many times I see him. It doesn't matter how many years he's been in the league. I am always blown away by how easy he's able to get his shot off, how much longer he looks than everybody else, how he just seems his, he just seems to keep extending on and on. He just looks taller and longer and just like a different person on the floor than anyone else. When Scotty <laughs> is facing off against him, he doesn't, he, they both look the same. Like Scotty looks just as long and just as lengthy. And it, it's crazy to me seeing Scotty. You, we already know these attributes, but seeing him against Durant, who I know always makes me feel that way and not seeing it to the same extent as I do against most of the other players he's going up against kind of blows my mind. Uh, to your point, a quote about Bar- a quote from Scotty Barnes after the game against Brooklyn, in which, as we mentioned, oh, this he, was uh, great. I know what it's going to be. <laughs> he attacked Kevin Durant. I don't want to say relentlessly, but you know, a few times he did it back uh, down. Yeah, I really just was able to get to my spots <laughs> where I would make little moves to get him off balance. So it, being Durant's length, didn't really bother me so much. It just looked open to me. <laughs> it, it, perf- I knew that was where you were going to go because he just sounds like, yeah, like I did my little moves, took my little shots. <laughs> yeah, like, like, he, he, like I, I heard him say this. He doesn't mean it in a cocky no, way. Like it's completely but there are, earnest. There's like but- maybe three people in the entire league who could actually earnestly say that. And it's pretty cool that Scotty Barnes, rookie Scotty Barnes is one of them. Uh, So... I was asked a question that's impossible to answer by great, by a, my a favorite. Yeah, um, and it stems from uh, like like in my story today. I, I said he and I just said it like he's doing things that even his biggest fans uh, mm-hmm. and I would include the Raptors in this uh, didn't expect him to do this quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So. Saying all that, saying how his growth is, and recognizing that he's 20 years old, do you have any idea of what the best version of Scotty Barnes looks like? 
Absolutely not. And that's the most exciting thing is, no, I don't. Because coming into the into the league, I think that there were questions um, about some of the things that he would be able to do offensively, not even in terms of like a timeline, but just like a blanket, like, will he ever do this, this and this? Not only is he showing he's doing all of those things, but he's like learning and developing at such a rapid rate already. Um on both ends of the floor, it's it's kind of crazy, but it's like it it's an amazing unknown <laughs> because yeah. it kind of feels like even like like when you talk about a player's ceiling, um, it kind of feels like we're already seeing that whatever ceiling we thought like he ha- could he could reach, he yeah like like it's greater than we could have thought. I think if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, and my answer to him was like. He could be a top five player. Mm-hmm. Like I, I mm-hmm. and I'm not saying he's going to get there. I, you know, there are so many unknowns in there. But <coughs> like, why put a limit on that with mm-hmm. all the things you just mentioned? Just the rate of excel, the the acceleration in his growth that we've already seen. Uh, for a guy who should be by all rights exhausted, for a guy who's in a bigger role than the Raptors probably imagined for him, uh, given all the injuries they've had. Uh, He's been awesome. So, I, I mean, I was talking to Sportsnet's Michael Grange the other day uh, after the Kings game, and we were talking about it. And his comp uh, that he saw in that case, you'll remember against the Kings, he had five block shots. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was making rotations that he just wasn't making as quickly earlier in the year. Um, again, speaking to his growth. And he was sort of saying it's what he sees the most is a supercharged Draymond Green. And in, before everybody starts screaming at that, uh, this comes from a place where Grange, like I, I think, believes that Green is one of the five to ten. Grange adores Im- Draymond Green. It's like so, one of the most impactful yeah. players in the league. Uh, and, and so it's not like, oh, he's going to be a rich man's Draymond, which by the way, if you get with any draft pick <laughs> is, is amazing. Um, but like what makes it so hard to do to, to, to really see where he's going to go is like, I don't know what his defining skills are going to be. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. if he's going to excel as a ball handler. I don't know if he's going to excel. Uh, and when I say excel, I mean like his elite skills. I think he'll be able to do and is already able to do a lot mm-hmm. of everything. But, <laughs> but is what's where is he going to be like elite, elite as a screener, as a roller, as a I think his passing skill will certainly be will be one of those skills. But in terms of how he uses it, I'm not sure what that will look like, whether it's as like a point guard or as like a Draymond type attacking four on threes um, after a pick and roll. Uh, And as a defender, like right now, I think his quote unquote big man skills are a bit ahead of his perimeter defensive skills. Like I I think he's lacking that sort of, not horizontal, uh, what's the opposite of vertical? Lateral? Lateral? Yes, his like his <laughs> lateral. Thank you. His lateral quickness, his lateral first step, I think, is still a bit slow, and I don't know whether that's quickness or just a lack of anticipation. That and if it's the latter, it certainly should. It certainly should. It certainly should get better with time. <laughs> um, but like I on both ends, I'm like, 
I don't know what's going to make this yeah. kid truly special, but I have no reason to doubt that he's going to but be But he's truly already special. showing he's super special in a lot of ways. Yeah. One thing that I'm really interested to see is just like when he fully takes over in terms of like the mentally believing that's my shot. This is my team. This is my, like, I'm the guy kind of thing. There was a possession last night down the stretch where I'm blanking out on who took the shot. I'm sure you will recall, but he got the offensive rebound and I thought he was going to go right back up with it, but instead he passed it out and it, it was, is fine, but Oh, I just wanted him to go up with it and take it himself. And I think like as time goes on and as he continues to excel and expand and, you know, improve, I think that he like, yeah, I'm excited to see him be a bit more aggressive offensively. And I mean, I think since the season started, Nick has been on him about that, especially like shooting from three. And we've seen his attempts from three go up. Um, So I don't doubt that like that will happen. Um, It's kind of interesting, though, like as a rookie to come into a team and as you mentioned, play a role bigger than what they had envisioned for you, probably bigger than what you had envisioned for yourself, playing that balance between like, being the like you know being the go-to guy and also just like trying to feel out what that role is kind of rambling there but uh, yeah that play in particular stood out to me because i was like damn i wish he would have just would have just taken that himself yeah uh so barnes ends up taking 13 shots in the game uh and that's fourth most on the team and let's get into it uh because i think it is worth discussing now Again, this is something he has to be coached into, but a lot of people were, you know, questioning what's gone on lately in close games. Uh, and as we know, as Raptors followers, this is not a new <laughs> conversation. Uh, before we get into it, the Raptors in clutch situations, uh, as defined by the NBA, oh, no. plus or minus five. No, it's not what you think. It's Holly. good. Plus or minus five minutes. Uh, or plus, sorry, within the last five minutes with the score plus or minus five, uh, they have an offensive rating of 115.9, which is eighth in the league. Um, now, now this only includes 41 minutes. And in many of those minutes, Mm -hmm. they're probably trailing. Uh, So it's not like, (laughs) it's not necessarily the, the like grinded out, slow them down possessions that we all think about at the la- at the very end of the game when it's literally a one possession score within the last 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, we can further might, you know, do that, but I am not prepared to do it right now. Uh, but in general, that lets you know that whatever the Raptors are doing right now, late in close games, it's going decently well. Yeah, Same. I feel like I feel like there's been a lot of uh Fred threes that have helped that number mm-hmm. as well. He's had some huge threes in situations where they've needed it. So Continue. I think you know, let's follow let let's go to the last two possessions of the game because I think that's what a lot of people are stuck on. Um and I don't say it dismissively again. Like I I wrote fairly critically about this myself. Uh second lot so the Raptors are up 3 after Gary Trent hits a 3 uh, mm-hmm. and they get a stop. Uh, and ended over back the back foul from Blake Griffin. Uh, Fred Van Vliet gets a screen, gets a mismatch onto Blake Griffin, misses a three. Uh, mm-hmm. I might be ruin- I might be screwing up the sequence here. Um, 
eventually, uh, after like a, you know, <laughs> hair on fire defensive possession in which Patty Mills, and by the way, holy crap, what a Patty. Yeah. In the long line of good Patty Mills games against the Raptors, that was certainly one of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I just want to say one thing. When you were talking about Durant earlier, you gave his stats for the second half, but we didn't mention that his final stats for the game, he had a triple double. And after being questionable, finished with 34, 13, and 11. Mills finished with 30, including seven threes. So yeah, yeah. no, that guy's good. Um, yeah. in the, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give it a promo in the athletic, uh, on Wednesday. Subscribe to the athletic. Thank you. Uh, there, uh, Josh Robbins and Sam Amick have a poll of retired players. Uh, and I, I mean, there's the usual amount of grumpiness and and whatever but they did you know the the largest percentage of them said durant is the best player in the league mm-hmm. uh i go back and forth right now whether it's durant or Giannis. uh to be honest uh Jokic on a per minute basis might be the most productive but until you can really see, until i can see him at that where do you put level, uh it's hard, right? It's hard I was looking... because his, his defensive impact just isn't as much as those guys, right? But like, like... his offensive impact is such that, yeah, he can turn a 20-point lead into for like, sure. nothing in for sure. two minutes. Uh, but like, this is the same reason I, was the same reason I had uh, Giannis as my MVP through the first quarter instead of You did, Steph. okay, yeah. Yeah, and I, that would put me in the minority. Like, I was mm-hmm. one of six people that Tim Bonton... Um, uh, you know, asked who didn't say it was Steph, and I get it. Like the Warriors are awesome, but like Giannis's two-way impact mm-hmm. just still is remarkable to me. Anyway, we I, are afield here of what we were talking about. No, I we sorry, we I just have to say this because I also was looking at that, and I thought it was such a fun idea to talk to a yeah. bunch of retired players, especially the amount of players they talk to. Um, it was interesting to me because I feel like all the conversations that we've that I've seen today, well, not all of them, but a majority of them, including what we were just talking about. We are talking about Durant, Giannis, Jokic, where he fits in. And then we talk about Steph, you know, the person that's in the top four or five that one, two, five, the top five of that list that we're not talking about wondering where they fit. I do. <laughs> do you want to, do you want to discuss it? LeBron? Is that who Yeah, it's about? interesting, right? I mean, I feel I feel like we're all just sort of like, yeah. Well, well here's the thing. On. Like, I think a good number of people, and I'm not sure if I include myself among them. Like, like I'm not trying to cop out. Like, I really don't know. I, I would be lying to you if I could give you an answer. But like, if everybody was at a hundred percent health, mm-hmm. if we were playing one game, like, it would be tough for me to decide between Durant and LeBron. I mm-hmm. think that's where I'm at right now. So it's weird you, when you think of you it that way. If you call that the best player in the world, if that's yep. your definition of best player in the world, that's where I am. But if you're talking about getting through a season and even getting through a playoff run, like a mm-hmm. When, mm-hmm. like when there is this mass of games, I'm not sure LeBron is there anymore. That's all. It's weird though, because even if I try to talk myself into saying that, as I'm like saying it, I'm thinking of all of the things that he's done and can do. And I'm like, you're an idiot. Like, you're an idiot yeah. to like not like to count him out. But yeah, no, yeah, I, I, like when I, I talk I, about that, and, and even talking about that list, um, like, like I have no gripes about KD or Giannis. I do wonder with Jokic, like, why 
it just feels like we constantly underrate him. And maybe some of that is because he hasn't done a lot on like the biggest scale or the biggest stage of like the playoffs or like winning a ring or something like that. That might be a part of it. Other part of it is maybe just that he's like a big man and it's not like people generally don't think of that as like the most exciting and position, he's even not, though he's also not a defensive force in the right, way that right. like some of the, like if you're thinking about some of the great centers, not all of mm-hmm, them, but some mm-hmm. of them like Tim Duncan stands to mind. Like Tim Duncan was the most valuable defensive player for, for sure for years and years, years and years yeah. um and so it's hard to he doesn't have that but like what he does from a pure offensive production it's incredible like it's it might even be be to be honest like it might be beyond what Steph does like and like it's hard like it each of these players is so interesting in their own way that it's hard to even have the conversation you know yeah uh Back to LeBron, and we'll get back to the Raptors (laughs) right after this. I promise you, Raptors fans. Uh, I was listening to Zach Lowe, the low post, uh, the other day, and Brian Windhorst was on. And Brian said something I generally agree on, which is, you know what? Y'all can be early on on counting out LeBron. I'm glad to take the loss on that one and say I still believed on him until in him until he proved he couldn't do it. Like, Mm -hmm. like you know, I said what I said, and I mean it. Like, I think Giannis and Durant are the two guys right now who I trust the most to get through whatever Mm -hmm. like the way the NBA is constructed. But yeah, if LeBron is healthy and gets to the playoffs healthy and has a decent team around him, I. I'm not surprised at all if his team emerges on top that, you know. It's LeBron. He's been doing this for 20 years. Yeah. Okay. So the Raptors. Back Uh, to the Raptors. I think think we stopped mid me recalling those possessions. Patty Mills. sorry, we did. Patty Mills hits a three three to tie the game. Nick Nurse doesn't call timeout. Uh, We can Mm -hmm. debate that in a second. And then we get what we don't usually see with Fred Van Vliet, which is a straight... Uh, ISO on mm-hmm. David Duke Jr., which is a name. Mm-hmm. Um, and he went to his right. It looked like the ball did not come cleanly off his hand. I forget if it grazed the rim or was an air ball. It wasn't close. It was a blah look. It was the definition of ISO ball in the crunch. So... Mm-hmm. Earlier in the week, uh, I and a few other reporters have been asking Nick Nurse um, about late game possessions. And he says what a lot of coaches say, which when it's that close, especially when you're tied or in the lead, uh, that's probably my interpretation rather than something he said. But that's the sense I got. You're going to have to trust me on this. You're still listening to me. So hopefully you trust me on this. Um, Is you want to err on the side of conservatism in the Mm. sense that turnovers are death. Uh, Like if you're tied and could have the last shot and you throw a a cross court pass with six Mm -hmm. seconds left uh, Mm -hmm. and it's picked and they're going the other way, that's a nightmare scenario. So we've seen this, you know, since Kawhi, even since Damar, there's a lot of, there's going to be no time left when we're taking that shot. Secondly, uh, so that's the first layer. The second layer is since the Raptors don't have a guy, since they have options that are relatively equal in the mm-hmm. sense that Van Vliet has good credentials, but not necessarily as a creator. 
in isolation. Siakam has more isolation reps, but like we saw what happened last year, whether or not you think that was a lot of bad luck, the success rate rate wasn't certain, certainly wasn't high. Trent, Gary Trent's really good at getting to his spot, um, but you know, has a high, height disadvantage and doesn't have a ton of reps doing that, just having played on a team with, you know, Dame Lillard. Um, OG <laughs> Ananobi's obviously injured right now. That hasn't been his role, although he, like Siakam, has the height, uh, maybe not quite the ball skills, but they're getting there to get that shot off. The one guy he didn't mention who, you know, obviously we'll be mentioning soon, if not now, is Barnes. Uh so that's a lot. That, that's basically where the thinking is coming from. Mm-hmm. Knowing that, what did you make of the end of game last game and uh, against Brooklyn and in general, Holly? Yeah, um, it wasn't great. <laughs> uh, but um, you know what? It, you know what it made me think of as you were talking right now, just like going down the list. It made me think of that game. I'm pretty sure it was against the Suns when Siakam had his first game winner. Do you yeah, remember game, that game winning layup? Uh, Game-winning layup. They high, went to him. I think he went. He finished on the left side of the rim, maybe even mm-hmm. with his left hand. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and they went to him, and it was like a big deal that they went to him, and he had his first like game winner. And it kind of felt like a moment where it was like we all had known that like Pascal was you know playing much better than anyone would have anticipated at that point in time, and that wow, like his ceiling could be a lot higher than we think it's going to be. And then they went to him and he had the game winner and he was so happy. And it kind of felt like this moment of like, oh, like this is where we're going now. Like this, he's going to have a bigger role. Um, I want that to be Barnes now. Like I want, I want, <laughs> I want that to be, I want, I want that feeling where it's like, oh, okay. So this is the direction we're going in. Even if maybe he isn't there yet, I want to go there. I, I want, as Liz Lemon once said, I want to go to there. <laughs> I uh, do. I do. Um, do you think that's premature? Probably. Um, I think it's premature in the sense that if you're doing that, you better start ISOing him in other situations. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's, that's absolutely. Um, like, uh, you don't want to go straight from, we're asking you just to mostly <laughs> play off other guys to get in where you fit yeah. in too. And then in the last two minutes, you're. Well, gonna, that was my, yeah. that was like the natural progression yeah. assumption. Yeah. 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 Um, I would but, like to have more of a defined go to, I think. Yeah. Overall. Uh, but I also would really. It would intrigue me to see where Scott, like what how Scotty would be in that role. Yes. Yeah, and I think like in in mostly agreeing with you, I'll say that like this is sort of the line of thinking that Nick Nurse was using when telling uh, us and Scotty mm-hmm. Barnes that he wants to see him take more threes. It's mm-hmm. like. This is a thing that's going to happen, so why not start it now and get the errors out of the way, basically. Uh, yeah. and, and now Barnes has shot and shot and another <laughs> another good one. Um Barnes has shot better than we thought, but but you <clears> see <throat> what he's saying. Like it's probably gonna level off. He's you know, if he doesn't have a Siakam one for twenty-seven stretch or whatever, like there will certainly be some bad games from deep. But mm-hmm. you want him to get those reps, and I think you know, I, I'm not I'm not as enthusiastic about doing that right now if the matchup isn't right. 
But as far as like making him an equal consideration in that mm-hmm. group, like I'm all for that for sure. And and beyond that, I, I wanna I wanna talk about the first thing I brought up, which is the risk um management. Uh, I see where mm-hmm. he's coming from. It still doesn't make me feel great. How about you? Sorry, what do you mean when you say what? When I say risk, risk, the risk management in terms of we're going to have guys isolate a lot because we can't afford a turnover. Yeah, yeah, we want the last shot. This is what we're going to do. We're not going to lose on this. uh, Yeah, I usually feel like if that is a worry to the extent where you're not just playing basketball and making the 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 play that's obvious, you know, um, that like. Yeah, I generally think trying not to make a mistake often results in making a mistake or at least not the the op, the optimal is not the right word. It does not maximize your chances it maximize, for success. Yes, it doesn't maximize the the outcome. And I un- I can understand that because, you know, there's a reason why, obviously, and he knows his team, but I think that you almost have to get those reps in like you mentioned. Um and you have to learn how to be able to pass the ball or how to how to not turn the ball over, you know, like hanging on to the, I get it. I get I get the I get the intent. But yeah, I think that this team does need to be maximizing its opportunity for success. Um, and this isn't a team right now that has like a bunch of proven isolation players. There is no Kawhi Leonard who like. I'll remind everybody, didn't hit every one of his shots mm-hmm. against mm-hmm. as a Raptor, especially in the regular season, who, who, you know, took shots too early sometimes, who dribbled the ball off his own foot once, I remember. Uh, I can't remember what game it was anymore because, again, it was 79, 79 years ago. But like, but these- doesn't it also feel like a lot of the, these games where the Raptors have had really good stretches to come back or to take over a game, it's been when they're just playing fast and up pace and moving the ball and just like playing without thinking, going to the guy who has had a hot hand. You know what I mean? Like it, if yeah. that's what gets you into these situations and because of the reasons that you said where there isn't a lot of isolation and there's not like a go-to guy where you're like, that's clearly, you know, clearly the ball's going to Kevin Durant. Like, it's not like that yet on this team, yet, I say. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's almost more of a reason why you got to Yeah, you got to play, play ball. You, yeah. Um, and I think there's a happy medium, right? Like, <clears throat> there, you want to play to your identity but you don't want to be naive to the reality of the situation. And I think there's a sweet spot to find. And when you zero in on every individual mm-hmm. game, it's not going to end up in the right spot. Every I also time. feel like this is the season uh, to find that, you yeah. know, like with the way this has gone, the way the season has gone, this is the season to figure that out. Yeah. Um, also, I noticed we were talking about our brains being dead. I don't know if you noticed this on our rundown, but I, <laughs> I wrote, I hate plenty of thoughts. <laughs> I clearly meant I have plenty of thoughts, oh, I but I wrote, that. I hate plenty of thoughts. Anyway, uh, well, I have yeah. some medit- meditation apps for you, Holly. Yes. Uh, which, which look at, look that. at this segue. You don't need to say speaking of. No. Um, meditation. Uh, oh, yeah. um, I, I was actually going to segue to the bench, not that he has been on the bench. He has been starting with the mm-hmm. absence of Achua and Birch. 
But we've talked about the uh, the big four, the healthy big four of Trent, Van Vliet, Siakam, mm-hmm. and uh, Scotty, Scotty Barnes, <laughs> Beanie Boy. Um, so let's uh, let's quickly go through uh, what we've seen from the supporting cast, and I think it's you know very evident in what happened in the last two games. They have nine scores and double digits against the Kings, who mm-hmm. I remind you are the Kings. Uh, but, you know, everybody was kind of the best version of themselves. And that goes mm-hmm. from Delano Banton uh, to Yuta Watanabe to Svima Mikhailuk. Said it right on my first try. Um, <laughs> Boucher has been, in general, more comfortable with a, you know, I, I would say role uh, simplification and role uh I guess a guarantee of a role, like they have mm-hmm. to play him. Um, and Malachi Flynn was, you know, going and won street ball on on the Kings. The Kings, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then last night or, or Tuesday, not so much against Tuesday the night, Nets, yeah. Uh, yeah. the bench. Uh, so Watanabe, Champani, Champani, Svi Mikhailuk. I, I was so confident I said it twice. And Malachi Flynn uh, combined to score 16 points. They Oof. shoot yeah. two for 14 from three. Uh, Isaac Bonga does not get into the game. The only one of the 18 available players uh, to both teams I'm talking about mm-hmm. who did not play. Um that's not to criticize him. It's just to maybe wonder about alternatives, but that's a different conversation for a different day. Um, yeah, it's tough. Wasn't... It's tough. And I don't know that there's an answer here, but let's take them one by one. Chris Boucher, where are you with him? Uh, I've been really happy for him, actually. And not to take it off court, but I thought it was really interesting the way that he has spoken openly about his kind of struggles to find a balance this season between not just looking for the three so much that it's at a cost to the rest of his game because he had had so much success with that last year. I thought it was interesting to hear a player say, yeah, I kind of got caught up in this and forgot. Like he talked about watching film twice a day and saying, I watched film from the current games, but also from last season and realized I stopped doing all of those little things that I can do. And I stopped rolling and stopped cutting and, you know, just talking about things he did last year that he hadn't, he hadn't done this year because he'd been so focused on trying to score from three. Um, and I think you're seeing that. I think we really saw it in the Kings game, but also I'm forgetting which game now. Maybe it was the New York game. No, maybe it was the Oklahoma game. There was a game where he was really active. And looked really good. That is standing out to it me. It might have even been last week against Washington. It, it, uh, cause it, could, it could have been Washington. Because we, re- we talked about the meditation last week. Uh, we did, yeah. yeah. So he mentioned that. I think obviously that's great if that is helping. But yeah, I think it also helps to know that <laughs> because of injury and availabilities – you're going to have a set number of minutes, you know, just to kind of get yourself settled in there. I'm not sure Chris is a guy who – there are some guys that can play – well, not knowing what the role is going to be or can adjust to having, you know, 20 minutes, one game, five, the next, I'm not sure he's that guy. I think that the consistency does help him. Um, and I've been pretty happy with him. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Uh, I have two, but that it, it doesn't really, and I don't mean to be a bummer, mm-hmm. it just comes naturally. It doesn't change my long-term outlook, right. is all I'll say. And I'm very skeptical about him being on the team at this time next year. Uh, there's <sighs> no, no pleasure to say that, but mm-hmm. he's just a guy... Like, he's not fit to be a starting center in the league. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. like, the Raptors have got, like, they got obliterated against the Nets on, on the glass. Not that it's all on him, oh, but it's goodness. some on him. And Didn't they have, like, like... The Raptors' defensive a- rebounding percentage was 57 against the Nets. Yeah, they had 60 <laughs> rebounds. The Nets had 60 rebounds, 19 offensive. Yeah, I knew it was a crazy number. That means the Nets got 43% of available offensive rebounds. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I don't think we need to talk too much about Yuta Watanabe. Uh, he had his first career double-double, which was cool. He said he was proud of himself. He said he was proud of himself. Is, that was great. I think he said yeah. it last year at one point, too. Uh, that's cool. Even when he puts up a game like against Brooklyn, uh, and maybe this is my own blind spot, but I think if I have this blind spot, you have it as well, Holly. Like he shot <laughs> one, Yeah, he shot one for six, was a, a team worst yeah. minus 15 along with Malachi yeah. Flett, or sorry, Svee. Uh, but he had five Plus re- minus doesn't tell everything about yeah, the game unless five, it's the player had, that I'm yeah, rooting exactly. for. <laughs> five re- rebounds, three assists, yeah. and he's just like anyway. Uh, I just said it's also we- also not to like put too much into this, but it also was a back to back, and you know maybe Utah isn't fully all the way back, but I do think that you really saw that in the second half of that game is the Raptors' legs were pretty yeah, pretty and shot maybe he shouldn't be like the second offensive option in a lineup. <laughs> That's where he is <laughs> yeah. in, in, in a yeah. lot of the bad chevy lineups. Uh, you know, uh, saying that we've seen more creation from him, and that's cool. Uh, this has been our longest look, uh, dating back to the Oklahoma City game where he looked like he had the winning bucket and then was a, uh, oh, yeah. a fingertip away from actually getting the winger the, the winning bucket in between <laughs> he made a defensive blunder uh yeah thanks in part to Shea Gilgis Alexander who did a great job of, of holding the ball in the paint when his drive was stopped uh you know crashing in on him leaving Mike Muscala to hit the game winning three for the thunder but Justin Champagne mm-hmm. uh he it hurt my heart when he said it hurt yeah. When his game winner was, uh, you know, a tenth of a second. Yeah. Three for eight against the Nets. Uh, six points, three rebounds, 0 for four from three. The Nets were treating him like the Raptors were treating mm-hmm. David Duke Jr. from three, which is to say they were allowing him to shoot as much as he wanted. And the opposite was not making uh, that team pay. Uh, I'm going to throw out a name at you. I wrote in my story yesterday. Uh I don't think they're built similarly, but I can see a similar career path if the right things go down. Uh, PJ Tucker. Whoa. Undersized guy, 
Mm-hmm. Just an unbelievable ability to rebound. Mm-hmm. Uh Certainly needs to get better defensively to fit that niche. Uh, and mm-hmm. certainly needs to, as we mentioned, like PJ Tucker went overseas and became a viable three-point shooter. And right. Justin Champagne is just out of, you know, four years of, or sorry, two years of school mm-hmm. and isn't there yet. But like just as an undersized guy who knows how to impact the game. Yeah. Like, I think if everything, not everything, but if many things go right, mm-hmm. maybe we're looking at a career arc like that. I, I, I don't know. That's crazy to hear that name because I was frantically going through my head trying to think of, like, who's he going to say? And definitely PJ was not um, in my viewpoint there. But, um, He's not yeah, thick. I mean, He's not, like, thick yeah. like Tucker. But, like, when <laughs> Tucker was, a, you know, that yeah, young, no, he I know, wasn't I know what you're like saying. Tucker either. I know what you're saying. And he also couldn't shoot the three. I think that, like, it also just kind of goes to show how crucial that is in today's game. Like, if he could become a reliable three-point shooter, that totally changes how he would look um, on this team and on many teams uh, to play that role. But I do think it's really interesting, like, watching him get more minutes. Um in in the the Oklahoma City game as well as just the the past few, um, he like you said like he has a great feel for things like he's always in the middle of something you know like he's really good at making things happen or making something out of nothing and I think that that's a really interesting trait that I I didn't know that coming into the season I didn't know to expect that from and him. the Ra- and the Raptors um, love that and Nick Nurse loves it right like yeah like making you know making shit happen um (laughs) and i don't think it's quite in the chaotic way that we sometimes mean when we say that he just has a way of impacting games and like again i don't think like he wasn't good against brooklyn he you know fell asleep on the offside defensively Mm -hmm. like he needs more time with raptors 905 as you would expect of an undrafted second round ra- or an undrafted player who only mm-hmm. went to college for two years. Like, like that's well, there are a, pieces there that's really uh, yeah. interesting and I see um, why it intrigues them. Yeah. yeah. And I think, yeah, I think it was Alex Wong, our friend Alex Wong, who tweeted last night uh, during the game that uh, he is this year's, He's he's Nick Nurse's new Pat McCaw. <laughs> yeah, and like kind of true. Like Nick has guys that for whatever reason, he just really likes things that they do and likes to throw them out there and see what they can do. And yeah, I, uh, I'm interested to see, I I would love to see him get some extended run with nine Oh five and then get an opportunity to come back and see like what that could be. Yeah. Um, um, I'll just say that you said for whatever reason, kind of, uh, you know, you slid that in there. I think the reason is clearer in this case than it was with McCause. Yes. And you have always been pretty down on Patrick McCaw. We've talked about this before. We don't need to go back into 2019, but you've been very, you have always been quite hard on McCaw, I think. You know, sweet guy. Uh, <laughs> like, what? Very nice guy. What? Like, he, like, we just talked about how Nurse. Three-time champion, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but we just talked about how, like, Nick Nurse loves guys who, like, are active and get involved. Like, right? he, I don't feel that way about McCaw at all. <laughs> I didn't feel like he was like <laughs> making things happen at all. Like I, I always felt bad because your your like go to like um, thing with McCaw would be to tweet out his line of like mostly zeros. 
same point, your point being, like, like Justin Champati, I think, had a trillion game recently, too, or, or was close to one. Anyway, this is all too Well, I didn't this, say it to be dismissive about, yeah. about Champagny, yeah, to be um, clear. But. And I think, like, yeah, he's more of a project than McCaw was at this point. Uh, McCaw hit a three-pointer in the NBA Finals in meaningful minutes. But he's also young, and he's with a team that tends to be very good at developing players. So, yeah, curious to see where that where that goes. Before we finish with a little Steph talk, um, Malachi Flynn, uh, mm. let's not talk about C. Mikhailuk. Uh, I think he's a, <laughs> he's a good candidate to lose his rotation minutes if and when everybody gets healthy. He is what he is. He's He can bring something on both ends, but you can't count on it. Um I'm not even going to let you talk. So I'm not harsh. even going to let you talk. I think it sounds well, harsh because you said it like quietly, like almost in your attempt to not be, to me, not sound not, harsh. It almost sounded like, I don't know why that one wounded me. Yeah. Well, I mean, spot the lie. Um, <laughs> Malachi <laughs> Flynn, as we mentioned, 14.4 quarter against the, uh, the Kings. Mm-hmm. He had seven plus really not good minutes. Against the Nets, including a wedgie, shout out no dunks. Uh, credit to him, stepped into the next three and and made it. But in a game where you have a limited roster, uh, even with the you know off when you're off until uh, you have three off days coming mm-hmm. up, uh, playing seven minutes and twenty two seconds, uh, three points, no assists, no steals, no rebounds. Like it's just it's not enough. Um, and it's tough. Uh, anyway, I'm doing too much editorial editorializing. What have been your What have your impressions of him been? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I constantly am like wishing and hoping and wanting him to get some more minutes and have a bigger role, but it's hard to justify it sometimes when you know that's if you're looking at what's happening. Um, I think that there needs to be more consistency from him, but I also feel like he's really stuck in a tough spot where it's hard to be consistent and consistently show what you can do when your minutes are so up and down. So I don't really know. Yeah. Uh, I continue to like, in my heart of hearts, believe that like, if there is like a return to relative health, Mm -hmm. Uh, him getting like six or seven uninterrupted games as your 12 to 14 minute per game point guard and having Banton go down to the 905 and Mm -hmm. get 30 minutes to be Delano Banton. uh, Like, I think that might be best for everybody. And that includes the Raptors because they have like pressing decisions that they're going Mm -hmm. to need to make on Flynn. And I just don't think he's been given really that shot to to earn it and, and like i'm not absolving him of responsibility no but there. that's what's tough right because like, we've seen flashes from yeah. him like real flashes when he has had the opportunity and the time and a decision like they will have to know how they feel about flynn sooner than they will yeah. have to know about delano so, yeah banton's yeah. been the more productive player and if it's a meritocracy uh, he's playing more than flynn but what is this season for? Part of it is to make long-term decisions and you got to find out about your guys who, who you're invested in. Uh, but you want them to earn the minutes. It's tough. I, I empathize with everybody involved. Um, I just, sorry, I just got a text that's saying that uh, capacity limits in indoor venues, 
that seat more than 1,000 people are being reduced by 50% as of December 18th. Uh, that is Saturday. That uh, would be the Raptors, right? Yep. Um, yeah. I'm meanwhile, just meanwhile, uh, capacity limits in indoor venues. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Just some breaking news. Uh, it won't be breaking to you when you hear this, but, uh, I guess that's but you, true. you broke it to me and then I looked at <laughs> my television, which has CP24 on it. Um, Quickly, Steph. Holly, Steph, Steph Curry Steph. breaks the three-point record. You saw, I think, more of it. Did you than see I what did. I did there? I said it three times. Uh, oh, I get it because he hits three pointers. Uh, yeah. You want to gush about him for a bit? It was awesome. Like it was just great. I uh, I was flipping over to that game. Sorry, Raptors, but I just you know it was a moment. Um, He's great. I was so happy for him. The one thing that really like made me sad was that Clay Thompson wasn't there to see it. Yeah, to, I saw that Draymond that Draymond quote on uh, on him. Uh, oh, on, what, on that what it was just basically it sucked that he wasn't oh, there. Yeah, uh, that part made me sad. I'm not sure if you saw this, but Steph uh, gifted Igudala, Draymond, and Clay with engraved uh, Rolexes after the game. Clay wasn't there to get his, but obviously. He will get it, which I thought was nice. And also they had Clay's um, jersey hanging in Steph's locker, like beside the uh, Reggie and um, Ray Allen jerseys. I thought that was really lovely. And uh, Clay is very close to my heart just because I love him. And I think he's one of the most fun NBA players ever. And yeah, I love him and can't wait for him to be back on the floor. But Steph, oh my goodness, it was like perfect. We kind of, I feel like we all kind of knew it was probably going to happen at the garden, the way things were shaping up. Like it was like, this will be really amazing if it happens at the garden. And then as like, just the way the games were going, he had an opportunity to do it in Indiana, but it didn't happen. Um, and yeah, he got it out of the way really fast. And the celebration was so nice. They stopped the game and had like a little uh, a little moment for him. And his parents were there, which was really nice to see, especially the hug with his mom after the game was really nice. And it was just really sweet to see Ray Allen embracing him and then to see Reggie Miller, who's calling the game with his iPhone in the air, filming it all on his iPhone because he personally wanted like that recorded in his own phone, which I thought was really sweet. And I love the way that Reggie um, embraces this generation of players. And yeah, it was awesome. Uh, and the assist came from Andrew Wiggins, who uh, Draymond after the game said, because Draymond had previously said he wanted to assist on that shot. And he said, the shot came from Wiggins, who never makes that pass on this play. He never passes to Steph. If he's going to pass, he passes to me, but he passed to Steph, which was like funny. And uh, yeah, like just the fact that he's able to do this um, so fast. And then to think about like what his final numbers could end up being, his final number of three-pointers could end up being, is just crazy. Um, I don't have much to add. It's awesome. Uh, Steph Curry. <laughs> Steph Curry. I mean, you covered it well. That's all I mean. Um, okay. <laughs> Steph, Steph Curry is a joy to watch, even as, you know, I, I might, and many people might have chafed against the Warriors with Kevin Durant, like, like as beautiful as they were to watch, like... There was a certain level of, you know, inevitability about the, mm -hmm. uh, those seasons. He remains one of the most joyful players in the league and one of the most magical players in the league. And has changed uh, the game so much. Uh, yep. Congratulations to him. Uh, no more than, I guess, 9,400 people will be able to see him on Saturday when they <sighs> visit 
the Toronto Raptors. Uh, wow. I, told, I hadn't. I told you I wouldn't use speaking of when uh, that was making incredible. a segue. Uh, that was incredible. You, I could tell you were thinking of something in your head because I saw your like eyes go off to the side and I was like, he's definitely working something out in his mind, but I didn't know what it was. And I was wondering what you were going to bring out. I now know that you were doing math in your head. I think probably I couldn't do that because I numbers make me panic. Um, wow. I forgot that it was the Warriors. Wow. Uh, so let's, Coming let's, uh, on Saturday. like, I don't even know what to say about that. Like, let's hope that we, uh, I, yeah. I think hope that we can see it in a safe manner in which everybody can be healthy and all of that. Uh, I, I don't want to, I mean, everybody just be safe and be smart. Be and safe, look take after precautions, yourself. do whatever you can and whatever is recommended to you by your local public health office yeah exactly raptors have golden state on saturday orlando in toronto on monday uh chicago in chicago on wednesday and then they have a break over christmas uh i think we'll probably talk to you after those games assuming they happen obviously uh, as they say in the pro wrestling world card subject to change um fingers crossed yeah uh Holly, you're going home soon to Nova Scotia. Hopefully, let's hope. Let's hopefully, hope maybe. I'm going home soon. Uh, yeah. Safe travels. And uh, thank th- you very much. Thank you again for joining me. And I look forward to talking to you next time. Yes. I'll be more on my game next week. I think we did well. That's good. That's good. It's fine. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I hate plenty of thoughts. <laughs> I, I do, too. Uh, thanks, everybody, <laughs> for listening. Uh, stay safe out there. See ya. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.